This is the Sooner Sports Podcast. Your all-access pass to Sooner Sports. The Sooner Sports Podcast is presented by Allstate. Are you in good hands? And by Riverwind Resort. Riverwind Resort, the place to be. Now, here's your host, Chris Plank. All right, welcome into the Sooner Sports Podcast. This is the tailgate. My name is Chris Plank, and we get you ready for kickoff this week, the next-to-last home game of the season. Wild, right? Oklahoma battles Baylor this Saturday morning at 11 a.m. We have a lot of guests to get you ready for OU and Baylor. Toby Rowland. We'll sit down with the play-by-play voice of the Baylor Bears, John Morris. I chatted with Dimitri Flowers and Ryan Aver, who covers the Sooners for the Oklahoma to get that beat writer's perspective on things. So we have tons to get you ready for Oklahoma and Baylor, 11 a.m. on Saturday morning. By the way, an Oklahoma win would give the Sooners 14 straight Big 12 wins, which would mark the second longest streak in program history. They won 17 straight games in a Big 12 between 2003 and 2005. But quickly, let's get caught up on what else is going on around campus because there is much, much more than football, including the basketball season, which gets underway on Sunday. That's right, a little doubleheader action on Sunday for the men's and women's basketball team. The women's team will play Southern Illinois on Sunday at 1230. The men's team will then battle Northwestern State at 4 o'clock, Sooner Basketball won its only exhibition game of the season on the men's side on, uh, what was that, Tuesday night, and the women won their final exhibition, sweeping through the exhibition season with their win on Monday night. So, obviously, a lot of excitement, big season ahead. Toby Rowland sits down with Sherry Cole to wrap up the Sooner Sports Podcast later on today. Soccer is home. Depending on when you're consuming the podcast, it's either tonight or tomorrow night as it's Friday night for Oklahoma and SMU as the 25th-ranked Sooners not only earn a berth in the NCAA championships, but also host. So 8 o'clock on Friday night for the first-round matchup with SMU. And Sooner Volleyball plays its next-to-last home game of the season as Santiago Restrepo's crew looks to bounce back from back-to-back tough losses. Last Saturday, a competitive loss to Kansas, heartbreaker on Wednesday night to Iowa State, It's Texas Tech inside McCaslin Fieldhouse on Saturday night at 6. It's a busy time. By the way, I I don't know how many guys at Sooner Vision uh, are are even within the the marketing department, Eli's crew, the uh, ops crew, Laura, and obviously Danny Davis. But what an, an incredible workload they have this weekend. And, you know, when we sit down with Joe Castiglione and we do it to start every single year here on the Sooner Sports Podcast, I always try to make it a point to talk thoroughly about just how much goes into game day. And then you you tack not just a football game onto a later-than-usual start for soccer. You add a volleyball game and then a basketball doubleheader. It's all hands on deck. So uh, kudos to Brandon Meyer, Craig Moran on the scheduling side, the crew over at Sooner Sports TV. I mean, think about it. They'll get done with soccer after breaking down because this will be a Sooner Sports TV production, even though it'll be on Fox Fox College Sports. So they they have to set up all the equipment, 
and then break it all down. And some of that equipment will be used for the football broadcast, which, by the way, they'll probably start setting up at 4, 5 a.m. in the morning to get ready for their 10 a.m. show. And then you consider the facilities from John Crane Field to obviously Gaylord Family Oklahoma Memorial Stadium, to McCaslin Fieldhouse, to the Lloyd Noble Center, everything that goes into making sure security is there and the game day operations are on point, and then the marketing side of it from the big screen and all the promotions from fans. Uh, an incredible weekend to consume as a fan, but an incredibly busy weekend for everyone involved. So as you're enjoying Maybe the football game on Saturday morning. Maybe the doubleheader basketball on Sunday. Just think about those people who help make it possible. It's going to be a tough fiscal bowl game. What do you say we look back on what happened last year between OU and Baylor as we get set to preview the Sooners and the Bears? Third and goal from the seven. Snap. Play action. Looking in zone. Mayfield looking. Looking, still looking, wants to run, now he backs it up, still looking, flush to his right, looking, throws, end zone, <laughs> touchdown Sooners, touchdown Dimitri Flowers, oh mama, and Baker Mayfield officially may have just introduced himself into the Heisman race. I, I got to be honest with you, I, and I think I've told this story before on the podcast, that might have been as energized as I've ever been after a game. The Sooners ended up pulling off the 44-34 win. At the time last year, it was the first AP Top 5 opponent the Sooners had played since Alabama in the Sugar Bowl. That was one of three touchdowns for Baker Mayfield. He ran for 76 yards, 270 yards in the air. And Sterling Shepard, 14 receptions, 177 yards. Obviously, the stakes are a little different here in 2016. You might not have the playoff ramifications, but you definitely have Big 12 title hopes that are on the line. And Baylor's trying to bounce back after losing their first game of the season two weeks ago to Texas in a 35-34 thriller. The Baylor Bears were rolled last week at home by TCU, losing by 40, 62-22. Meanwhile, the Sooners are still trying to figure out how that man did it last week. That man is Dimitri Flowers. You name it, he did it. We caught up with the Sooner do-everything guy at the Monday press conferences, and obviously he's still hurting a little bit. Did it take your body some time to heal after Thursday night? Um, it definitely did. You know, after getting that many touches, it's always going to be a little rough recovery time. You know, we talked about it post-game, but I think it's bare bringing it back up. You do everything anyway. Uh, you're on about every special teams. You're out there quite a bit. How much did that challenge your body on Thursday night with the increased workload carrying the ball? Um, it, it, you know, it definitely challenged it. Coming off that short, short week as well, you know, coming back from Kansas, uh, it just took a toll on my body. But we, Coach Stoops gave us uh, all three days off this weekend, so I'm, rest, uh, I'm rested up, recovered, ready to go next week. When did you get the feeling last week that you might get the ball a lot more than you typically do? When, when did that kind of register with you? Um, you know, really, I knew I was going to get a little bit more touches during the week. But, you know, after that first quarter, after I had a couple good runs, you know, coach just kind of left me out there. So that's when I started to know that I was going to start getting a lot more touches. Kind of that hot back theory back there. What was working for you? Was it just, well, we, let's give credit where credit's due. That offensive line was pretty special. I mean, if you go back and watch film, there's not any special cuts that I made. That <laughs> offensive line made those, those holes massive. So, I mean, it's really easy to do that when the line does their job. What does it say about this team? In a game where it's easy to lose focus, 
depth chart has been decimated by injuries. Playing on a Thursday night, that you guys focused and not only gutted it out, but played really well offensively. What does that say about this team? Uh, it, I mean, it just shows you how hard we work, how hard we prepare, and, and you know, there's there's some mistakes on the field on Thursday, but but this team, you know, we came together, overcame some things, and early turnover on the offensive side of the ball, and, and you know, it just shows how much we fight and how much we want to win. Was there anything that surprised you about the short week that was a bigger challenge than you maybe thought it would be? Um, you know, just just the fact that we didn't really have any days off, so our bodies were all beat up. You know, all, everyone, offense and defense, special teams. There's just all, all little. It was a little challenging, you know, to recover from last week and then come back and play a game this week. And I think that says a lot. You know, we'll, we'll mention a lot of guys: Schmitty, Scotty Kolak, the entire strength and conditioning crew, Coach Tiff. They're pretty important in a week like that. They're always important, but but super important. You know, it just stands out in a week like this, especially, you know, going to Smitty for those extra stretches or, you know, that that trying to get the lactic acid or stuff like that. And then, of course, you have Coach T who's, you know, trying to get us hydrated, you know, on the sideline before the game, pregame. So, I mean, it, it, just, it just all goes hand in hand. We were talking about Jay Bulware on Saturday night after the game. How much has he meant to you? Oh, he's meant the world. You know, like I said after the game, you know, he's like a second father to me. I can go to him for anything, you know, football related, not football related. And uh, he's definitely the best coach I've ever had. And it was almost as if on Saturday night, or Thursday night, look at me, uh, you didn't want to come out of anything. You were still on every single kick game, too. I mean, that that shows a lot. Um, you know, I'm just trying to do the best I can for this team. And, I, and if I, I feel like if I come out, then if something happens, then it's all on me. And I didn't really want to put myself in that situation. Baylor coming up this weekend, Unique, you go from 7 o'clock Thursday to 11 a.m. on Saturday. Is there is there anything that you do differently whenever you have an early morning game? No, just maybe go to bed early on Friday. But, you know, all the preparation is the same. Uh, we know we have a tough opponent coming up, and, and we're just ready to get back to work. I think you hit on it, but it's fair to say those extra two days were good for this team. Whenever you had the Thursday night game, and had a few extra days to recover, was it? Yes, oh, it definitely was. You know, just, just being able to sit back, you know, you know, watch some football from the outside looking in, it was just much needed. Hey, final quick thought. How do you feel about this team now going forward where you guys are? Um, you know, you know, like I said earlier, that we've made some mistakes, but this team fights, and I love that about this team. And, you know, I feel like we all want to win, and we all want to go out there and dominate. Coach Merv said something great about Dimitri Flowers in our postgame show. He said he's a lot like a Samaj P. Ryan, only he talks. <laughs> uh, big game for Dimitri Flowers on Thursday against Iowa State. 22 carries, 115 yards, three catches for 34 yards. His 149 all-purpose yards were 50 more than he had on this season entering tonight. And, oh, yeah, he's caught a TD pass now in three straight games. And it's all part, as Coach Stoops talked about on Monday, about having that broad vision, making sure you understand everything. Look at all the other positions where we've had guys have to step up. You know, it's why you guys are always – you really never know when, when that opportunity is going to all of a sudden be right in your face. And, if, you know, you're either ready for it or you're not. And for the most part, we, we have been. Um, but, yeah, Dimitri's another great example of it, of, of also why you pay attention to the entire offense, not just what you're doing. You know, to, I think he had a great understanding of, of what those guys, the pace, the, what they're looking for. You know, he, he developed so many holes, and he knows in back of them what they ought to be looking for. And that's how bright he is. Bob Stoops from his Monday press conference. Injury update. Uh, looks like we'll get a chance to see Samaj P. Ryan back in uniform. We'll have all the latest in the pregame show at 9 a.m. on Saturday morning on the potential of someone like Matt Diamond, potentially Matt Romar, making their return. Well, why don't we go a little bit more in depth? I had a chance to catch up with OU beat writer Ryan Aber. Ryan covers the Sooners for the Oklahoman. And before we got into injuries, I kind of talked a little bit with Ryan 
just about this team and how they've bounced back since that tough loss to Ohio State. Not many people remember now the post-game speech that Baker Mayfield gave and how this team has responded, having won now six straight, trying to make it seven in a row since that loss. I asked Ryan, uh, Ryan about what's really stood out on this team. Well, I think you've, you've got to start on the offensive side. You mentioned Baker Mayfield. I mean, his season that he's having right now is just incredible. And, you know, people talk about the uh, fourth-place Heisman Trophy finish last year and how great that season was. But this season is not only better than that to this point, it's right up on par with Sam Bradford in 2000. It's just incredible to think of the numbers that Baker Mayfield's putting together, the job that he's done consistently week in and week out. And obviously, D.D. Westbrook is a massive, massive part of that. But uh, to, to be completing over 70% of your passes at this point of the season is, is uh, pretty remarkable. And uh, I think people, uh, you start to think in historical terms with what Baker Mayfield's doing now. And uh, if he comes back and plays another year, he could be the best quarterback in OU history, which is pretty uh, eye-opening considering where he started and what we thought about him when he arrived at OU. Ryan Aber is our guest, at Aber on Twitter. NewsOK.com covers the Sooners for the Oklahoman. Do we get a sense or have you been able to gauge throughout the week as to what players might be returning from injury? I mean, we know that Samaje is going to at least, I, I, I think, give it a try. But what's kind of your feel on that, Ryan? Yeah, it, it looks like that uh, there's a chance that Matt Diamond could be back. He's been doing some more work. Not exactly sure. Mike Stoops didn't really want to tip his hand in that regard, which is funny because he's the one who tipped his hand in the regard of uh, Oboe a week earlier. But uh, Diamond is probably the closest to returning of the other guys. Uh, I'm sure you've talked about this, but Parrish Cobb looks like he's going to be uh, a redshirt candidate after getting hurt early in the season. They'd hope to have him back. Uh, Makai Quick still a few weeks away. Uh, Romar, Matt Romar is pretty close to returning. He could uh, play on Saturday, and that's a, a big thing for OU to get some depth back on the defensive line. They've done a really good job of piecing things together. Jordan Wade's sort of been the steadying influence in the middle, and uh, Neville Gallimore, when he's been healthy, DJ Ward have done some really good things, as has Austin Roberts, but they need some depth up there because they haven't been able to rotate much at all, and getting Diamond and Romar back would be huge for this defensive front. Do you get the sense, I'm glad you brought up Matt Romar, because Neville Gallimore has played really well. Um, they've they've had nice contributions from Big Jordan Wade. But do you get the sense that sometimes Matt Romar is a bit of the forgotten guy when it comes to difference makers on that Sooner defense? Yeah, no doubt about it. And I, I, I think that just because he's not a guy who's going to make the flashy plays, and this is true in a lot of ways with Jordan Wade as well, that they're not going to be the guys who go out and make the really flashy plays, but they're the steadying influence in there. Give the other guys around them the chance to, to make those big plays. And uh, Romar has been fantastic to this point. Obviously, Charles Walker got up a lot of attention for what he did, especially in the TCU game and last year. But uh, I, I really like Matt Romar as a player, and getting him back uh, changes the, the dynamic of that defensive line in a lot of ways. What does the loss of Shock Linwood mean? to Baylor I, I know he wasn't their leading rusher but is this I mean is this a pretty big gut punch for this offense from what you've been able to gauge Ryan oh yeah I mean I think uh, Terrence Williams has been fantastic this year obviously he's been their leading rusher but at the same time Shox is the big play guy he's the one that you always worry about breaking 
the long run on every play. And we've seen that against OU the last three years. I think he's had three 100-plus yard rushing performances against the Sooners. I believe he had over 200 uh, his freshman year, if I'm not mistaken, or really close to 200. So that, that changes what they're able to do offensively as much as uh, anybody wants to downplay it. Uh, Shock Linwood is a fantastic football player. Not having him uh, is a big loss for the Bears, uh, no matter what's going on this year. Ryan Abers, our guest. Ryan, before I let you go, of kind of, I, admit, I don't want to say unknown, but of, of guys that have been pressed into starting duty, let's, let's use three guys here. Uh, Jordan Parker, Neville Gallimore, and Caleb Kelly, looking specifically on the defense. Oh, you know, I'll throw a fourth. Emmanuel Beal, too. Of those four guys, has has one of them to you shown over the other? I mean, I've just been so impressed with all four, uh, maybe more so Jordan Parker. But have any of those four kind of surprise starters caught your eye more than, say, the other? Yeah, that's a difficult one for me. I probably would go with Neville Gallimore just because of the the leap that he made from the time that he got into action the first year to to now. Obviously, he was banged up a little bit last week, but he's taken a big step. And then Caleb Kelly, I think you got to say the same thing. To be able to play multiple positions like he did a couple weeks ago when OU's linebacker depth was just depleted, I think that says a lot for how good this kid can be. He might not be maybe the best of that group right now, but he's got a really good shot to be the best of that group and a whole lot bigger group by the time it's said and done. But really been impressed with all four of those guys. You mentioned Jordan Parker. Uh, he hasn't been perfect, which you don't expect a freshman to be, but he's been able to step in there and make plays, which is something that they didn't get earlier in the year. So that defense has been stabilized in a lot of ways because of what they've been able to do on the back end with Jordan Thomas finally been able to make plays, and Jordan Parker as well. So there's Ryan Aber again. Make sure you give him a follow on Twitter, at RYAber. Good information on the Sooners. Let's learn a little bit more about the opponent as we cross enemy lines, if you will. I thought it was a, a really interesting conversation between the voice of the Sooners, Toby Rowland, and the voice of the Baylor Bears, J-Mo John Morris. And obviously, it's been a challenging year. For J-Mo. This team has had some success on the field, but there's been a lot of storylines off the field. Toby and John touched on those, but also gave us some good perspective on what to expect from the Bears come Saturday. Tell me what's going on with this Baylor football team after the last couple of weeks. Well, hard to say, really. You know, we lost two weeks ago in Austin, played pretty well and had plenty of chances to win, but lost by a point. And that kind of, you know, to me, Toby, that kind of busted the bubble uh we were six and oh at that point but then there's that first loss and then all of a sudden uh you got to come back from a loss against a good tcu team at home and our guys just weren't prepared and i think to be honest you know kind of all the outside distractions came caving in last week and you see the results we lost big to tcu i was gonna ask you that i mean you think that that that's having an impact on this team Fine. I mean, it's, it seems maybe inevitable, but do you, do you are you sensing it now that the, everything that's going on around the program is affecting the football team? I, I really didn't up until last week. I, I thought our guys and our coaches had handled it really well and focused on football. But last week, I think it was pretty evident. They were, they were completely unfocused on that game and so many distractions. And, you know, it's just hard to hard to play a game against a good team when you're not focused and ready to go. 
And so, yes, I, I think that was a big factor in the loss last week. And, you know, uh, they better get that focus back or it could really be ugly from a Baylor perspective this week. I want to ask you a personal question, and and I'm not. All don't right. worry, I'm not going to ask you to, to pick sides here or anything like that. But I'm trying to put myself in your shoes going through this year. How hard has it been for you, as the voice of the university and and you know the allegiance that you have and everything? And I'm sure you've got people tugging you in both directions and on all sides on this story. And there's alums that feel some way and media feels other way and, and outside sources that feel this way. Is this a nightmare of a season for you? Uh, no, not really. I mean, it could be, and, and you're right. There's, there's so many factions. I, I just hate it for Baylor. Uh, I think Baylor is better than this. I know Baylor's better than this, and I think we'll be better in the long run uh, when we get through this. But you're right. There's just different factions, you know, who are who are uh, Coach Bryles fans, and I love Coach Bryles. Uh, he did, you know, look at what he did when he was here. I think he did a great job. But then, you know, the Regents, who I know, and so you know, I can't disagree with that because they're really the only ones that had all the information. Uh, none of us really do. Nobody else outside of that uh, Regents room has all the information. So my approach has been to focus on these guys and this team because the guys that are here, they didn't do anything wrong. You know, they they have put up with a lot themselves, and it's been really hard on them being lumped in with, you know, this image of Baylor, this bad image of Baylor, but they didn't do anything wrong. So my approach has been to focus on these guys and supporting them in the best way that I can and, you know, kind of helping them along any way that I can to a really good season. Knowing this team and the guys on this team like you do and this coaching staff like you do, do you have a hunch that they're going to bounce back this week that maybe they were, you know, uh, obviously unhappy with how last week went and and they're going to play great? Or do you worry that maybe things are kind of crumbling here? Yeah, I don't know. To to be completely honest, it it could go either way there. I, I would hope. That they uh, that everybody got a wake up call last week. You know, hey, here's what can happen if you're not focused, if you don't uh, focus on the game, if you let the outside distractions, you know, take control. So I hope that was a wake up call last week. Uh, but by the same token, you know, what if this is the the first signs of everything crumbling down this year, uh, and and Baylor doesn't win another game this year? You know, the distractions take over and the guys aren't able to avoid any more, you know, any better than they did last week. So I I could see it going both ways. I always prefer to look at it from a positive way, and I I think that they'll uh, come out and, you know, play a really good Oklahoma team well this Saturday. Might as well be optimistic. Uh, um, What what is the biggest concern for you coming out of last week? Is it the rush defense or, or something else? Uh, we didn't run the ball well last week. We have all year leading the league in rushing, but only ran for 133 yards last week. So that's you know that's the lowest of the year. So you got to be able in this offense. You know people think of it as pass, pass, but it's you know run sets up the pass and it's very balanced normally. So got to be able to run the ball better. And then uh, our, our rush defense the last two weeks has been bad. Although Deontay Foreman's turned out to be a pretty good running back. Yeah. we saw him two weeks ago, and then uh, Kyle Hicks. Not out of nowhere, but he had a, a breakout game for TCU last week against our, our rush defense. So those would be the two in my mind: us Baylor running the ball and uh, and hopefully you know slowing down the run a little bit. 
loss of Shock Linwood uh, this week a major blow, or Terrence Williams more than capable of carrying the load there? Yeah, it's. Uh, I just feel bad for him. You know, he's a senior. He's our all-time leading rusher, and he's just in some kind of funk that he uh, apparently can't get out of, or he's not out of it yet. Uh, so Shock won't be available this week, and Terrence is really good. Uh, we're fine with him, and then Jamichael Hasty, you're going to like him. He's a redshirt freshman, smaller back. It was just nice when you had those three guys that you could play the hot hand. You know, whoever was running the ball well, you could you let them get more carries. So now that's down to two instead of three. So I, I think we'll be okay. Terrence Williams is good, and Jamichael Hasty's really good also. Knowing what, uh, you know, I'm assuming you've watched Oklahoma play a few times this year, and, and they've had a yes. propensity to give up the deep ball. And certainly you got some guys who can who can go get it and a quarterback who can who can sling it pretty well. Do you feel like there's some hay to be made there for Baylor? Oh, I don't know. You know, I'm not in that meeting room, but <laughs> I think that's part of Baylor's offense also is uh, Kendall Browse is still here as our offensive coordinator, and he likes the deep ball. And, we got some guys who can go get it. You know, uh, Katie Cannon, uh, I think, is, is better than he's shown, and he can play go deep. And Ishmael Zamora, he can go deep. Chris Platt is a football track guy, and he can go deep also. So that's, that's in the arsenal for Baylor. So uh, we'll see if that happens this Saturday. How, how do you feel like Jim Grobe's handling things? You know, he's great. I don't know if you've met him or heard, heard him. I have or, not. Yeah, I saw him at media days or anything, but he's great. To come into this situation, uh, it, it takes a unique individual, and Coach Grobe is just uh, perfect for our situation. He has no ego. He came in and told the assistant coaches, you're the head coach of your position. I'm here to help. I'm here to support you. And and then Coach Grobe has to go out and, you know, do all the media and take all the slings and arrows over stuff that, you know, wasn't his doing but he's handled that really well also. So he, he really has been. I've really enjoyed getting to know him and work with him. And uh, I, I don't know how we could have found a better guy for this situation for Baylor than Coach Grobe. Have you had a chance to call a, a basketball game for Scott Drew's team yet? No. You know what? We didn't do uh, – do you do any exhibition games? We did one last night, but we did one scrimmage as well. Did you guys just do a couple of scrimmages right. this year? Yep, two two close scrimmages, so haven't called any basketball yet. So full dose beginning on Friday. We've got a, a women's game I'll do on TV Friday and then the men's game uh, back on radio on Friday. So we got a full afternoon Friday before we head to Norman. Do you have a hunch on how good they're going to be? Yeah, I, I've seen a lot of practice, and uh, I, I like this team. Uh, we've got a new point guard. He's a transfer from Miami. His name is Manu Lecomte. And he's not real big, but he, he looks like he's going to be – he is a great shooter and handles the ball really well. And Jonathan Motley is back. And uh, uh, we've got a new seven-footer uh, that's going to fill up some space in the middle. And Ish Wainwright is back. You know, he's our only senior, really. Uh, Al Freeman is the two-guard, and King McClure is a guard. So I, I think it's going to be – from what I've seen in practice, I like this team. They're picked fifth, and – Maybe that's about right right now, but uh, I think it'll be fun, basketball. 11 a.m. kick will be on the air at 9 a.m. with the pregame show on the Sooner Radio Network. Again, don't forget, you can download that TuneIn Radio app. And if you're outside of the area of one of our great affiliates, you can listen to the broadcast 
for absolutely free. OU Baylor, start time still very much up in the air for next Saturday's game in Morgantown against West Virginia. We'll probably have more information on that, maybe not in the postgame show, but definitely on Sunday. So make sure you're following us at Sooner Sports TV and, of course, at OU on the air. And then it will either be an 11 a.m. or 2.30 start time for Oklahoma's season finale against the Oklahoma State Cowboys. So don't forget, pregame show. We'll see you 9 a.m. on the Sooner Radio Network. All right, let's, let's wrap up with some basketball, shall we? It's the opening weekend for college basketball. We've got Oklahoma home for a doubleheader on Sunday. And Toby caught up with OU head women's basketball coach Sherry Cole to wrap up the tailgate. Here we go now. Time to play for real. What did you learn from your team in the exhibition games? Um, actually, quite a bit. I was very pleased with how we played against Midwestern in the opener and got off to a great start last night. And then we had this awesome third quarter, which was this incredible <laughs> learning period for us. And I really did. I'm, I'm not being facetious when I say that. I thought um, the third quarter was the best thing that could ever happen to us. We went one for 10. We turned it over 10 times. It was crazy. We'd only turned it over five in the previous two quarters combined. It was kind of one of those things where the wheels fall off for a little bit, and we were able to put them back on the wagon and have a terrific fourth quarter. So I, I'm really pleased with a lot of different things that we were able to learn about our team. We'll start there. You, you scored two points in the third quarter last night. You mentioned the other stats. You come back and score 21 in the fourth. But like, why in the world do you say that's the best thing that could happen? Like, what did you learn from that? It was an opportunity to build resilience. It was an opportunity to sort of solidify a sense of confidence. Our guys were able to not panic, to not grow increasingly frustrated, to not lash out at one another. All those myriad of bad things that can happen when something doesn't go your way for a little bit. And they were just undaunted and just, just kept going forward. And the first play of the fourth quarter um, was obvious that they had just been able to flip the switch. And the ability to do that is, is something that you're going to need time and time again throughout a three, four month season. And so um, for ha and those guys having the ability to do that and finding that as quickly as they did, you know, in early November is fantastic. OCU uh, kind of mucked things up with that zone last night. I think you guys are a pretty good shooting team. I mean, you hit 11 threes last night. Do you think that's something you're going to see this year? Um, I don't know. I mean, we'll see it some. Um, is a very good team. They, they're, yeah, they are. You know, Bo does a terrific job, and they got a couple of pros on their team. Two clever guards. I mean, I love the way they played. The Venezuelan duo, they were they could share the ball and knew how to move without it. They were really good players. You know, and, and OCU's a team that went down and had Texas A&M on the ropes, had them down seven in the third quarter and ended up um, getting beat by ten there. So they're a really good team, and, and the zone did affect our tempo. I think that's as much a reflection of the lack of time that we've spent on that at this point in the season, which is always the case because we don't play a lot of zone, so we don't see it a lot in practice every day. It's just a, an opportunity for us to focus in on that and get better at it. But, you know, we'll, we'll probably see – a piece of that like we always have in the past. I don't know that the ratio will be much different. How good of a shooting team do you think you are? I know that was one area you were disappointed in last year, the three-point ball. Where do you think you'll be with that this year? We're a very good shooting team. We got a little bit in our own way. We erected some mental hurdles that grew from hurdle status to skyscraper status by the end of the year. <laughs> 
and uh, it doesn't have anything to do with our our shooting ability. It had to do with our our mental makeup, and so we've worked really hard on on clearing our brains a little bit, and our guys have put in the amount of time that's necessary in the gym to feel like they're they've earned the right for that ball to go in, and we've worked hard on uh, reacting appropriately when it doesn't, and that's one of the things I was so pleased about last night. You go one for ten in the third, and then come back and shoot 53% in the fourth quarter. So uh, opening exhibition game, we shot 61% from the field. So I'm not, I'm not the least bit worried about that. What I really liked from the three-point line last night was Derricka hit one and Stu hit one and Maddie hit one and Gabby hit one and McKenna hit one and um, Joy hit one. And I'm probably leaving somebody out. But they came from a lot of different folks. Um, Brenda was on the uh, call last night on The Color, and she was talking about it almost seemed like she was uh, suggesting that there was kind of a change of philosophy this year in like freedom maybe that you were giving players on the offensive end. Is there some strategy change kind of that, that you want to employ with your team this year? I so want to quote Shakespeare right now and say there's so much ado about nothing. Um, okay. Yes and no. Um, you know how you, when you're going on the radio and you turn your XM dial just a little bit, it's like one little click. And you go from like um, some country station to some disco techno thing, and like just this tiny little bitty click. Um, it's 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 a little thing, but it's a big difference. And I think that uh, we've just worked really hard on on our approach, not a change in philosophy at all. Um, more uh, a structured freedom with our offense. We we still run motion offense, but there's a little bit of structure in it, so that the decision making is um, instead of choosing between 42 things, maybe they're choosing between three or four. And um, I think it's just made them a little bit more convicted, maybe a whole lot more convicted in uh, giving them ownership. Um, but it's uh, very, very little things that uh, hopefully make a really big difference. I, uh, I heard an interview that you had somewhere after the opener talking about how pleased you were that you, there wasn't a single possession where you felt like you had to coach effort. Uh, same thing last night for you? Yeah, you know, um, and, and when I say that, I, I really I, I want you to understand that that it's not that we played with uh, intentional lack of effort at any point last year. These are great kids and return everybody but one from last year's team, and they have uh, a, a try mentality, and they want to win, and they're they're completely committed. But sometimes when you get in your own way, it can appear as though you're not playing hard and it, you're not playing hard because you're distracted, not because you choose to be lazy or not because you're a punk or a bad kid. It's none of that stuff. It's just, you, you get yourself distracted by worrying about things that you can't control. And so when I say not having to coach effort, really what I'm talking about is it not having to um, continually preach toward the things that, that players can't control. They're staying in their lane. They're, they're handling the things that they can handle and being present in, in a particular moment. That's been the big improvement. So I want to be real clear about that. Um, Vivi was great for you last year, a sixth man of the year in this league. She is the only change in your starting lineup this year, replacing KK. Those are big shoes to step into. Uh, eight for 10 in the opener, didn't shoot it as well last night, but what what is the most important thing for her in your mind right now? Probably consistency, and I think that'll be something that she has to play her way into because it feels different. 
to be out there when they toss up the ball, and it feels different to be relied upon for more consecutive minutes, uh, which will be the biggest change for her. I think she played, what, 15 minutes a game last year, and she needs to play more like 25 now. But uh, we've got great guys waiting in the wings who can spell her and, and in different ways. Nancy is a true freshman with all that length, and McKenna Treese, uh, who's been terrific, by the way, who comes in and and can do different things, can face out on the perimeter and shoot the three and was a, a tremendous rebounder last night when we really needed it. And um, and EJ has developed at the five as well. So we've got lots of folks that can come in and spell VV, but I think it does feel different, um, the reliance that we have on her and the way we have to establish her early. You know, she, she did that a lot last year. Uh, it just feels different the time and place at which she does it. All right, here we go. Uh, regular season, seven of the first nine at home. A flood of home games here starting on Sunday. Season opener against Southern Illinois. It'll be 1230 in the Lloyd Noble Center. Do we know anything about how good Southern Illinois is right now, Coach? Uh, yeah, they're pretty athletic. Let me rephrase that. They're really athletic. We, we've got a little, obviously, game film from last year. Uh, Cindy Stein, who coached at Missouri for years, is their uh-huh. coach, and she does a terrific job. Uh, she'll have a great game plan put together. Kids will play really, really hard. That's just one of her trademarks. So it'll be a great contest for us. And I hate the fact that it's at 1230. There were some building conflict issues that forced us to play on Sunday. So everybody go to early church. And if you don't have early church, then come to the arena and we'll pray collectively. Um, we need folks there on Sunday afternoon. Thanks so much for downloading the Sooner Sports Podcast. As always, questions we answer at OU on the air at Sooner Sports TV. We'll be back Sunday night into Monday morning with the Monday morning refresher. So everything you've missed from post-game interviews to the, uh, from the OU Baylor game to reaction from the Oklahoma soccer game against SMU on Friday night to a recap of Saturday night's volleyball tilt to a doubleheader summary. We'll have it for you on the Monday morning refresher right here on the Sooner Sports Podcast. Everyone have a great game day weekend. And until Monday morning, Boomer Sooner, everybody. This has been the Sooner Sports Podcast. Make sure to get all the latest episodes online right now at Soonersports.tv slash podcast. And make sure to follow us on Twitter at OU on the air.